Many years ago, I'll give a very brief uh, overview. Uh, my wife and I started a congregation in Toronto. We literally had people come from all over the world. It was at the time that the Soviet Union came apart. It was a time when apartheid was exploding in South Africa. And so many people, Jewish people, came from all over the world. And a lot of people came to Toronto. Much easier to get into Canada than the US. They didn't really bother people as much as we did. Plus, they also provided refugees with enough money to live. So people came in, and as they came in, we had a lot of people that were from other places in the congregation reached out. People started to come. And we had Jewish people from so many places around the world. And people always talk about how good it is to have you know, a real representative of the kingdom, people from here and people from there. Nobody ever talks about the difficulty of trying to preach to everybody from different places in the world. It's incredibly difficult because you automatically mention things that are natural to you and make sense to you, and other people have no idea what you're talking about. And I wanted to be as an effective teacher as I could, and I started to do some research. I started to think about who I knew that was a good Bible teacher and who was on the radio and who, and ultimately, my search led me to the Messiah. Because I started to think, who was a better teacher than him? Nobody. And who did he reach? He reached the educated, the uneducated, the atheist, the believer, the rich, the poor, the antagonistic, the friendly. People literally came to hear him because he was so engaging. And I think one of the keys to his success was that he taught through stories. Who knows people better than the Messiah? And the method he chose was to give them parables and similes and stories. And they stuck with everybody. Even to this day, people that have never been in a congregation or a church or looked at the Bible, they know some things from the scriptures. The, the idea of the Good Samaritan, for example, a teaching of Messiah that still resonates throughout the ages. And he made people to be that way, I believe. So many people think that stories are just for kids, and that drives me crazy because stories are something we use our entire life. When you meet somebody and you start dating, what do you do? You tell them stories. You don't tell them all the stories about the crazy people in your family. You let the, they find out for themselves later on. But you tell them the stories, how you grew up, where you grew up, what kind of things you had, the adventures you had. When you meet somebody new, that's what you do. You share stories. When you come to work on Monday morning, what do people do? What did you do over the weekend? It's just the way that we are wired, and I think that that's the wisdom of God. The bulk of scriptures are stories. I don't think that's an accident. I don't have the exact numbers because I'm not a numbers person, but I looked it up and it said that people asked uh, Yeshua about 180 questions, and there are only like seven or eight that he did not answer with a story. That's a pretty powerful lesson. So I think that stories are a great way to communicate the truth of God's word. This morning I'm going to tell you a story about David and Goliath. It's one of my more, uh, well, I shouldn't say it's more humorous because you might not find it funny, but maybe you will. But it's a little bit more humorous, but it has a very important point because it's a story that we don't often think about when we grow up. We kind of think that it's something for the kids to hear but there's a real powerful lesson in this story. This story is called Me and the Big Boy, and it's David's story of his battle with Goliath.
Ladies and gentlemen, David, the king of Israel. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you could all come out this morning because to be honest with you, there's something that's really been making me angry lately. There's all these stories, as stories and rumors going around the kingdom about my battle with Goliath. And it just really annoys me. And I thought it would be best to have everybody come together and just to let you know exactly what happened. Now, this story really begins back in the fields at Bethlehem. Some of you know my father, Jesse. He was a shepherd. And when I was a little boy, I used to work out in the fields watching the sheep. And that's where the story of the battle between myself and Goliath really begins. One day, I'm out in the fields watching the sheep when I hear this roaring behind me. Actually, it was more like a which frightened me, and I was afraid to turn around. And when I did, I saw that it was a lion, a big lion. And since this lion was not in the zoo at Jerusalem, I thought that might be a problem. So I decided to analyze this problem. One 12-year-old boy, one shepherd's staff, one large lion. Conclusion, this was a very bad problem. Then I remembered something, something that my father had told me from the time that I was a little boy. He said that God was always with me, and if I called out to him, he would come and help me. So I took that staff, and I closed my eyes, and I said, God, please help me, and I turned around and bam! When I opened my eyes, the lion was taking a nap. And as I got closer to him, I realized he wasn't breathing. And then I realized I wasn't breathing either. So I immediately took a big breath and felt better. And I learned something. I knew that lion was too big for me to defeat. And I called out to God, and he came to help me. Now, the second time was very similar to the first. I'm out in the fields of Bethlehem again. When I hear this growling behind me, like a... And this time when I turned around, it was a bear. Rather large bear. And he's trying to frighten me with his growling. He succeeded. But I wasn't as scared as the first time, because I knew that God would come and help me. So I took my staff, and I closed my eyes, and I said, God, please help me. And I turned around, and bam! And when I opened my eyes, the bear, like the lion, was taking a nap. Now, that was an important point that was not lost on me. And it was after that that I came to realize that no matter what was frightening me or who was bothering me, if I called out to God, he would come and help me. It was just two years later, I'm out in the fields of Bethlehem again. If you know anything about Bethlehem, it's a small town and there's really nothing else to do. When my father came out to see me, he told me that Saul, you know, the Saul who was the king before me, that Saul, he had been experiencing a drop in popularity at the polls. 
And in order to boost his ratings, he decided he would take the entire army of Israel on a camping trip. The place he chose was called Ephes Damim, which loosely translated means a really cool camping place. There was only one problem. Had Saul checked with Travelocity, he would have realized the place was already booked. It seemed the Philistines wanted to camp there as well. Now, my brothers were all down at the camp on the trip with Saul, and Dad wanted to know how they were. So he told me to go down there, gave me a big block of cheese and a bag of cereal, and sends me off to the camp. When I got down there, I found the camp director, gave him the food, and said, Sir, would you happen to know where my brothers might be? Oh, uh, Jesse's kids, right? They have a great spot. They're way down by the front. I made my way through all the campers of Israel, and I get down and sit down with my brothers, and we're talking about mom and dad and everything happening at home. When all of a sudden, all the campers around me started to shout, It's him! Look, it's him! That was the first time I saw Goliath. He was huge, all decked out in the latest Armani battle gear. <laughs> Thin lapels, three buttons. He, he was gorgeous, dressed to kill. Bronze helmet, bronze breastplate, bronze shin guards, which led to his nickname, Bronzy which has led some people to speculate that he may have been Italian. <laughs> Absolutely untrue. He was a Philistine all the way. He steps out in the center of the two armies. Now, in Hebrew, they called him the Ish Habanim, which literally means the man in the middle. By the way, this is where we get that saying. Let's cut out the middle man comes from this. He steps out in the center of the two armies and looks over all the soldiers in the army of Israel. And he says to them, Hey, yous! Hey, all yous in the army of Israel! What are you all so scared about? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Why don't you send one of your big guys out here, uh, we'll have a little fight, we'll see who wins, huh? When the soldiers in the army of Israel heard this, they were terrified. And they start running off in all different directions. But before they left, there was something I just had to know. And I grabbed one of the men near me and I said, Sir, sir, excuse me, could you tell me, do you know if there's any kind of prize for the man who can kill this giant? And the man said to me, There are three things that will be given to the man who can kill that giant. The first, he will receive a large amount of cashola. Wow, what a great start. The second thing that will be given to the man who can kill that giant is he will be allowed to marry the king's daughter. Whew. She was a righteous babe. And the third thing that will be given to the man who can kill that giant is neither he nor his family shall ever pay taxes in the land of Israel again. I said to him, sir, where do you sign up for that? 
Now, my brother Eliab heard that. And when he heard me say that, he was furious. You know, there's always a little bit of tension between us. He was the oldest brother, and I was the youngest brother. But when he heard me volunteer for that, he just lost it. And he said to me, who do you think you are? You're going to go fight a giant. You're not even supposed to be here. I know why he came here. You just like to see the battle and watch people get killed. You should be home with the sheep. What are you doing? And he went on and on. And, you know, I really didn't blame him. To him, I was just a little kid. He didn't know about the lion, and he didn't know about the bear. He just saw me as a troublemaker. Well, while he's yelling at me, somebody went and told Saul what I had said. And when Saul heard that, he was excited, and he asked me to come to his tent. When I came into his tent, he was shocked. He looked at me, and he said, you're the one that wants to fight the giant? You're just a little kid. You got any mirrors in your apartment? Did you ever take a good look at yourself? You're a little kid. He's a giant. And I really couldn't blame him either because he didn't know anything. So I told him. I told him all about the lion and all about the bear and how to me this Philistine was just like one of them. Well, as I'm talking to Saul, you can almost see the wheels turning in his head because he had a very serious problem. You know, he was the tallest person in all of Israel. As a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons he was chosen as king. He was a head taller than everyone else in the land. And all the soldiers are thinking, the Philistines are going to send their big guy against us. We should send our big guy against them. But Saul was afraid, and he didn't want to go. And I could see him thinking about all these different things, and I could almost hear him as he looked at me. All right, let's see. The kid wants to fight the giant. What's the worst thing that could happen? Kid gets killed, right? All right, kid, you can go fight the giant. And then he offered me his armor. I took it and I put it on, and when I did, I, I couldn't move around that good. Then he offered me his sword, but it was too big and, and too heavy. And finally I told him, look, I, don't, I thank you for these things, but I don't really need them. And I went down to the river, and I got five smooth stones, and I put them in my bag. I took my staff, and I went out to look for Bronzy. It wasn't really hard to find him. I mean, he was really big and shiny in the sun. And when I saw him, I said to him, Hey, giant, why don't you come over here and I'll give you a beating? Well, he was not happy to hear that. And he said to me, You's going to give me a beating? I'll tell you what, you're going to hit me with that little stick like I'm a puppy dog? Why don't you come over here? And I'll give you a beating. And when I finish giving you a beating, I'm going to mash you into a little bird feeder. Then he called me some bad names. Now, I don't mind him making fun of me, but as far as I'm concerned, there's never an excuse for bad language. He was so livid. 
he started to run towards me. And I'm telling you, you could almost feel the ground shake. And he was so mad that he never took his sword out. That was bad. But I'll tell you his big mistake. He never put down the visor on his helmet. That was going to cost him. And I watched as Saul got closer, and I thought to myself, no sense in waiting till he gets here. <laughs> put a stone in my sling, and I flung it. Bam! It hits Bronzy right in the head, and down he goes. And when I went over to him, he was taking a nap. And like the lion and the bear, he had also stopped breathing. So I thought, it would be a good idea if I took his head off and showed it to all his friends. So I took his sword out and whoosh, grabbed his big head and showed it to all his buddies. Now when all the soldiers in the army of the Philistines saw what happened to their champion, they started to run home. And when all the soldiers in the army of Israel saw that, they came up to me and they, they said, hey, how did you do that? How in the world could you defeat somebody like that? So I told them. I told them all about the lion and all about the bear and how to me that Philistine was just like one of them. And they were so excited to hear that story that they chased Goliath's friends all the way home. And it was a very long time before they came back to Israel to bother us. I know, you've heard this story before, but you never heard all the behind the scenes details. And people always get so excited that you beat the giant, that isn't that a wonderful thing? I'll tell you the most important part, the most exciting part to me. The same God that I serve, he is the same God that you serve. And if something is bothering you, or somebody's trying to frighten you, I can promise you from my own experience, if you call out to God, he will come and help you. He's always there. When I think about what he did and all those exciting things, I, I could go on forever about him and how he's helped me. But to tell you the truth, if I, I were to do that, be late getting back to the palace. I'm already a little late. I promised Bathsheba I'd take her down to Elat for the weekend. And if I'm late, king or no king, believe me. Anyway, you remember, the next time that something's bothering you, the next time somebody's trying to frighten you, you call out to God. Because I promise you, he will come and help you. Shalom.